notre quotidien. C'est sur Très Oui. Welcome back to Rebel Scum Radio. This is episode six, season two. Mr. Baldy. I'm joined by Fitzy and Whipper. Hey, guys. Hey, How's it going? No, I'm joined by uh, by Jim Bob Jones. How are you, Jim Bob? Yeah, a bit poorly. Yeah, poorly. you were feeling a bit poorly, poorly. today. Tracky Dacks and Tracky Dacks. Yeah, it's the whitest runners in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> My eyes. My eyes. And Jono, how are you? Good, good. Good. You've had an eventful day today, haven't you? Yeah, really. Found out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's start off with uh, the formalities I usually leave till after the show notes to start. Now, as you know, we're Rebels Come Radio. You can find us at rebelscomeradio.com. We've been leaving up some reviews of the episodes of Rebels as they pop by. You can also catch the Guardians of the Galaxy um, trailer on there, which popped today. Well, not really a trailer, teaser. Teaser, sneak peek. Yep. And um, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn, and Instagram. <laughs> LinkedIn, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, and obviously you're listening to this podcast. But tell your friends. Um, you can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, and any good podcasting app that is out there today. And leave us a review. Say hello. We'd like to hear from you. It'd be good. Now, today's episode, gentlemen. This is an interesting one. First of all, the biggest news of the last few weeks, the Rogue One trailer. We'll have a little chit-chat about that. Huge. What we all thought. There's a couple of bits that we need to discuss. The hate day done after the Yeah. I actually... Well, 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 not, well, not necessarily me. Yeah, but we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. I'm having to hate for the trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not the movie. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, there's been a news today of a new droid released by Hasbro before the Christmas thing, which is one we've been waiting for for maybe... 39 years. 39. Because Star Wars' 39th birthday the other day. Happy birthday, oh. Star Wars. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got news of the latest update of Star Wars Battlefront, which is, it, it isn't really an update, but it's Star Wars Battlefront Ultimate. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, the um, canon has came out as between why the... Dark Force users in Star Wars lightsabers are red. We've got news of a UFOlogist found dead in Eastern Europe. A little bit of uh, weirdness going on there, Jono. Yeah. Yeah, quite weird. We'll talk about that. Just squatting in the sky. With... We've got Turkish robot news. And as the main part of the, and as the, main part of the podcast, we're going to be discussing a documentary you mentioned a few weeks ago called Star Wars The Prequel Strikes Back, and we'll discuss what we think it means to the prequels in the entire Star Wars universe. So, first off, gentlemen, Rogue One trailer. What did we all think? <coughs> the music didn't do for me. Yeah, there was something wrong. That wasn't Star Wars. It was 
like from Premium Beat, they've just paid fourteen ninety five and got some background music or something. I don't know what happened, but the first it, it didn't sync well with with the scenes too. And uh, what's the the blind dude's name? David Danny Yen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, his his lines are a bit awkward. Yeah, there's something not right about the entire trailer. Yeah. I don't know. The first, in comparison to the first, which got everything so right. And this one just felt, I don't know. But it did show that uh, Genesis has more emotions. Yeah, it did. I was kind of actually disappointed in how, because it, it, it kind of gave away a little bit of the storyline about Jin and her father, mm. which... Which we knew already, though. Yeah, but I didn't want to see it. Mm. I don't think I want to see any more. I don't want any more trailers. I don't want any more t- t- TV spots. So that, they, were, like, they were just talking out, but he built the Death Star. Or he worked on the Death Star. Yeah, like, like he was a kid like in the Death Star. Yeah. It's kind of like like Rogue One was an opportunity to have a story which no one knows. Yeah. Kind of mm. like when people first went and saw Star Wars in the first place. It was just like fresh. Yeah. Fresh and fresh. Like they are fresh. So that's probably it. But I mean, like it, it looks good. The special effects looked a little bit better oh, than that yeah, first trailer we saw. Yeah. So, that was, so yeah. that was good. So I think visually it was the the best of it because I love that start bit where it was just you could see the the distant Death Star yeah. on the horizon mm. and that little plane going across. Mm. Like was, there's some good stuff happening. It was nowhere near as epic as the first one. No. In terms of those big grand shots of the Death Star and yeah. the, mm. and the uh, Star Destroyer coming in. But we've seen all that already. So yeah. this is offering a new... Yeah, this is very much Saving Private oh, yeah. Ryan time. And that little chicken walker bit where the chicken walker was coming around oh, shooting through and the, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah the ATST shot was really I was good. hoping that uh, Wayne would have a spectacular entrance or something. but Yeah, he just kind of walked through some smoke. through... That was it. He didn't say a word. He looked like he was in a rush, though. He yeah. looked like he was busy. He was well, like, had that I, fast walk going. He's <laughs> um, actually one of the fastest I've seen him walk. He had to go to the canteen. Yeah, he was what just like, think about the... this plate sweats, <laughs> this plate sweats, <laughs> this plate sweats. I love the way also, is it Ben Mendelsohn? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, the Dirt. power. Yeah, oh yeah. Power. The power. He's in power. Like, yeah. Yeah, you go, Ben. I think it'd be a good villain, this director. Yeah. I, I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good. Power. Yeah, so it's. Yeah, well, I still think there'll be some. I still believe there'll be some. That there's a cameo in there from someone we don't know. Mm. Whether it's one of the Rebels cast or something. Because they're the tying in Rebels quite a bit. Um, Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka yeah. yeah, I think introducing Ahsoka Tano for a short term into a Star Wars film, if you get, if this is really the only opportunity they'll probably get. It's not going to be a pure, like, it's like a kind of, like, spin-off film. They're going to put her into the main cycle of films. Well, this is a spin-off film. Like, imagine right? if she just shows up. That'll throw the fans into a frenzy. Like, ah. Yeah. It'll be, there'll be cheers and, and fist pumping in the, yeah. the, in the cinema. Like, <laughs> It'd be like a football match in Germany. Yeah. It would literally, like, if they secretly did that, it would be the biggest thing since the I Am Your Father yeah. moment is in Empire Strikes Back. Internet would fucking... Go into go into the melts. <laughs> <laughs> the It'd be fantastic. Toad smelts. Toad smelts. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm um, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of disengaging a little bit from Rogue One because I don't want to know too much. And I think I felt from the Force Awakens. That's what I've done with stuff Doctor Strange. I've on I'm not watching any Doctor Strange stuff whatsoever. That was, that was like a five minute feature. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only like I, I've watched one trailer of Doctor Strange and that was it. 
And then I watched, because I'm not a big, obviously a big Marvel boy, I watched the Doctor Strange movie on Netflix just to get up to speed with what I was watching. The cartoon movie. Yeah, with the cartoon, what I can expect. So is that an uh, origin uh, story? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Is it well drawn? Is it a good quality cartoon? Um, it's kind of probably sits in between. Uh, it's not as good as, like, you know, those kind of Batman type animated yeah, yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Not quite as good as that. Okay. It's good, but it's not as bad as just like your Saturday. Because those Avengers movies look pretty good. Yes. Like, they've done that. Yeah, like, it's not your Saturday morning cartoon no. 22 yeah. minute thing. Okay. kind of sits in between there. So. All right. So, but the storyline's a little bit dark and it's still the yeah. game. It's good. I liked it. So, yeah, Rogue One, excitement levels, boys, out, out of 10? Eight. Eight? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hovering around 8.5. Yeah, I'm hovering around there as well. Mm. I think it... I just can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm, yeah. stoked, I'm stoked about it. I'm, yeah, I've got this feeling in my gut that <laughs> this is going to be shit. Ah, oh, come on. I've got this Phantom Menace feeling. Let me hear I've just got this Phantom Menace thing. I've got this feeling. There's reshoots for Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, there's another one recently that had reshoots. Suicide Squad. Oh, nearly everything. Oh, the um, last Marvel film, Captain America, had heaps of reshoots. Yeah, definitely okay. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. The change of... Well, not the change, the little shift in musical direction yeah. at the end probably isn't going to help it. I don't know. I'm just nervous. Well, I suppose it's a spin-off film. Like, there's going to be no crawl yeah. at the start. Yeah. So that'll be interesting for a Star Wars film. It's like we have a Star Wars crawl. Because it's not that? official canon. Oh, Who said that? I mean, I mean, it is official canon, but it's not. Oh, it's been stated. It's not going to have a crawl. Let's start ever. Yeah. What? Right. We'll not have a crawl. No crawl here, Robbo. No crawl here, Robbo. That's, Robo? that's no what crawl. it's going to be. No crawl here, Robbo. So it's going, to be di- it's going to be a different start with Star Wars film. You're not going to have that sudden... Ding! And then, like, yeah, because it's not um, Williams music, either. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, it's not going to have that. Yeah. It's What's gonna, the point of going through? Yeah. You're going to have to edit it in afterwards uh, with the Blu-rays. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it, but it's with trepidation. I don't know. I'm sure they'll have the opening. Um, no crawl. Music. Oh, there'll be Star Wars music in it. I don't know about that, but they're not going to have that big thing. <sighs> if they don't have the traditional kind of uh, big ship uh, kind of... Uh, Going across and there's a planet sitting yeah. there and all that kind of stuff. Then we'll know it's a different Star Wars film. Yeah. If they just start it like um like 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 platoon or something, then we'll know. Yeah, hey, wait, when does it open? December sixteenth. Oh, I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm great here. New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. You'll be you'll be up in the Maldives. Yeah. Jim Jim Bob? Ah, not sure yet. Oh, not sure. Okay. Now, next today it was announced that. We have a new droid in town. The, Finally, scared, the scared droid. The mouse droid from uh, from the Death Star. You know, when Chewie walks oh, yeah. up and, the, it, oh, yeah. and just runs down the other. It never released that back in the day. It's never released as a figure. Well, it actually was released by Hasbro as a figure, I think. It would be a figure end, surely. Yeah, but only, only in recent times. So oh. It was never released back in like the, in like the vintage Whoa. collection. So, but yeah, remote control. But the only downside though is that you have to go to Florida Disneyland to buy it. Yeah. You can't buy it online. No. Right. Mm. It'd be great to have the RC car 
and you get someone to wear the Chewbacca mask and recreate the scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like in a shopping centre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the nearest Disney stores to us? Is it just in Florida? No, it's, it's not Disneyland. It's not in Tokyo or anything? But in Hong Kong, how long? Because it's like 600 off flights to Tokyo, though, right? I'll go to Tokyo. <laughs> just to get one of those. It'd be fucking hard to carry back in luggage. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's actual size. Oh. So. Pretty cool. Just looks like I could probably make one with a skateboard, but fucking doesn't know. It's still cool. I'm glad they actually did it. Alright. Now, a little bit of Star Wars Battlefront news. There seems to be Star Wars Battlefront news every fucking two weeks. But they got an upgrade every two days. Uh, it's not really an upgrade, this one. This is actually probably what the game should have launched as in its original shape and form. It's, um... There's probably be crunching on this podcast now. This is Jim Bob eating chips. Too <laughs> 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 <So> much content. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront, everyone knows it's evolved with lots of DLCs and updates and patches and, v- and v- v- VR experiences and stuff going on. So, our friends at EA have decided to bundle up everything that they've released so far into Star Wars Battlefront Ultimate Edition. So, what they've effectively done is release the game The Truth of Tour Monty. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> So, so remind everyone that uh, we're uh, sponsored by Smith's Crisps, <laughs> um, who make a pretty tasty salt and vinegar chip. <laughs> they do. They make a fine chip. Ooh, that's that's the barbecue one. edition. Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Pash, pash, passiona. Passiona. What's what's the lemonade flavour? Sprite. Sprite. We're sponsored by Sprite. Apple and Apple and Asus. Asus. And Beringer. Beringer. And Sony. No, 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 I think Apple's checks bounced. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're paying Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in the Star Wars Battlefront Ult- Ultimate Edition, uh, purchasers will get a season pass um, and all four and all four expansion packs, including the Outer Rim, Bespin, Death Star, and Rogue One Scarif, which comes out in December, close to the film. And also 30 maps, uh, 14 of the unlockable heroes, such as Chewbacca, uh, Bosk, Ninyam, a few other random characters that everyone can play. How how much have you played of it? Not much at all. Not much at all. Mm. I'm actually going to... I need to download everything and just play it. I actually... I want to just turn our Twitch channel just into purely just Battlefront. <laughs> that's this is the only game I want to play. Yeah. And then when Battlefront Two comes out next year, I'll I'll replace everything. Doesn't the uh, VR headset come on this week? <sighs> or next week? Well, it was last week. <laughs> this is a uh, touchy subject. Why do you want to yeah, say this later? No, we'll say this is the perfect time yeah, to say it. What a segue. Because technically, I should possibly be playing Star Wars Battlefront VR on my PlayStation right now. Well, it should be. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, I won't be getting my VR headset until November, even though I pre-ordered some time ago. Thank you, JVI Hi-Fi, once again. My nemesis. We are not sponsored by uh, JVI Hi-Fi. No, we'd like to be. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'd get our shit on time. 
<laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so I've had another pre-order disaster. It's not the first, but it will be the last with JB Hotline. I actually went into the store to see if I could just walk in and buy one, but no. Alas. Oh, really? Alas. Did Still, they have a demo model set up? Uh, I didn't even look. Oh. I just... I actually told the guy my story and <laughs> smiled at me. And he just goes, yeah. It's always the mate. You're the third person today. <laughs> yeah, well, we only we only got three available. The rest all went to staff. What? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Australia, Australia probably got allocated five. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Austria. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was an aim wrong. But in but in good news, I'm only a few weeks away from getting it. So ah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So rant over. Rant over. There are bigger problems in the world. First first world problems. First world problems. First world problems. But damn, would have been good. <laughs> um, red lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. Not blue, not yellow. Red. 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 Now, it has been revealed why lightsabers from the dark side in Star Wars are red. So, we've always seen... Blue, um, blue kyber crystals. Kyber crystals. They're but involved. All kyber crystals are always involved. Um, are they always blue, though? No. Did it originally start out as blue? It's a good question. It's in the Asakatano book, which I've just ordered. So I'm waiting for that to come from, from bookdepository.com. Great resource of books. <laughs> <laughs> we just give away free ads there. It's, <laughs> it's, there is a great series of books, which if you are a Star Wars fan, I will recommend you go to Book Depository for They've just released vo- released volume three of Star Wars Inside of Best of. So like over the last like twenty years of Star Wars Inside, it's all the interviews with like um, with um, the cast and crew back from from twenty years ago, oh, wow. right before the prequels and after the original trilogy came out, all that news and toy news and and news about DVD releases, lots of character in- interviews and. And insights in there. Probably the best thing you can have in your Star Wars library. And they're like 20 bucks Australian. Delivered from the UK. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, back to red crystals. Red crystals. Red lights. Lightsabers. No such thing as red crystals. Red crystals not? Bleeding crystals. Bleeding crystals. Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, okay. I've actually got this story. I read it at work today. And then I got trapped in IBF world. I'll remember to cut that out of the podcast. I'm not having IBF or fucking any other vaginal problems on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, th- this was first record- reported on ScreenRant.com. Anyway, they, they went on to say that Kyber Crystals choose the Force users and present, present themselves to the design owner but Darksiders don't experience the same connection with the crystals. The only way a Sith and other Dark Side Force users can collect Kyber crystals is by stealing them, as we've seen on Freemakers, mm. <laughs> uh-huh. or, or plundering them off bodies of fallen foes. Even if a Dark Sider were to acquire a Kyber crystal from a green or a blue lightsaber, the act of bending the crystal to their will into a new lightsaber will cause the crystal to bleed. 
instantaneous threat. Ah. So there you go. That is the canon thought of red lights. That's a good story about explaining that. That's yeah, well, it has cool a bit story. of context maybe towards Kylo Ren's lightsaber and its shabbiness. Mm. Maybe he bent, tried to bend it too far. Mm. And whose lightsaber did he get? And who did he kill to make his lightsaber? Mm. An interesting backstory. Mm. You'd imagine it must have been one of the more powerful Jedi that he then tried to... Who's, who's the, the chick from episode 4? Uh, Rebel season 3. No, but where Gentile is episode 3? Where Gentile is episode 3? Uh, uh, What's her name? Sabine? Sabine Ren, the yeah. Mandalorian. Does it, does it have any connection to Kylo? No, no, one's W and one's R. So oh, she's Ren, yeah. Ren. So <coughs> Kylo Ren from the Knights of Ren mm. canon, which well, I don't know that much about. Remember in Force Awakens, she, when that, that chick that owned the bar said there's a big story behind Luke Skywalker's lifesaver. Yeah. So um, that, could, that could be linked into the Kylo Ren. Well, and obviously... Um, obviously Kylo Ren would have started off with a normal lifesaver. Yes, Kylo Ren. Like obviously, the lightsaber in Force Awakens is is Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber, the blue one. Yeah. So there's still the question mark of obviously. Now Luke didn't have a lightsaber when he was on the island, so obviously his green lightsaber could well be the one that Kylo Ren got and bent the crystal into a red. Oh yeah. Ah yes. Yeah. So that could be the case. Yeah. Because he threw it, but it would have blown up with the Death Star. Because he just threw it on the ground. Yeah. It? He just pitched it away after he beat... Yeah, that's true. But maybe it was floating around somewhere and he found it. Mm. Who knows? Or it could be some other... could be Mace Windows. You never know. <laughs> so. Yoda's? What did Yoda do with his lightsaber? Yoda's was smaller, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's still the crystal, isn't it? I'll say take the crystal out. Takes the crystal out, bends it, makes... Maybe tries bending it too far, breaks. Mm. And he's got his shadow. At the hills. Yeah. So that's that side story. <laughs> no, but that was in, in, interesting. It's kind of I never really noticed that they're all red. Obviously, there's a the black saber in uh, Rebels, which popped oh, up. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. But oh. the black saber is kind of like a Mandalorian thing. Which episode was that? Uh, that was that was towards the end of season two. Like right towards the end, when uh, you know how. Uh, oh no, sorry, that was actually that was in um, that was in Clone Wars. Sorry. Oh yeah, Clone Wars. So it's towards I, the end of Clone Wars. I know, I know that Emperor's Guard, Red Guards, they had some sort of um, staff that's electrocuted, kind of like that Stormtroopers. Yeah, actually, yeah, electrocuting staff. Yeah. Like, also very similar to General Grievous's kind of mm, guards as well. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting to see what um, in the go go to the encyclopedias and see mm. what's special about those weapons. Actually, I've never done it. Yeah. Oh, the DK one. Yeah. 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 I've never actually um, checked those weapons. I went to check iTunes to see if Rebel Season Two was ready, mm. and then I looked on JB Firefly's website. Yes. Not available to November the second on the first. Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray DVD. So maybe yeah, iTunes is going to be the same day as that. Maybe. Probably. 
I'll give you my DVD collection. Yeah, anyway. it's be good to go through that 488 mm. minutes of <laughs> joy. Joy. <laughs> it is generally joy. Yeah. It's, it's the best Star Wars since Star Wars. Does that make sense? Probably. Yes. <laughs> um, now, Jono, a piece of news that you found this week. That's the end of our little bits of Star Wars news for the week. We're going to venture off into some other news. To the world of the unknown. The world of the freaking weird going on here. Um, we've got to be careful because we're conspiracy theorists. We are conspiracy theorists, but we're not giving speeches to... To the to, masses. To the masses, to UFO com- conferences and conspiracy com- <laughs> conferences around Europe. Anyway, Matt Spires, a British UFOlogist, um, this week um, was found dead on a couch in his hotel room. In Poland, in, Warsaw. Yeah, in yeah. in Warsaw. After um, he sent a message to his mother not long before, telling her to... Um, your boy's in trouble. Your boy's in trouble. If anything happens to me, investigate. Investigate, yeah. So local authorities have said he died from natural causes. Natural causes, as you do. Yes, as a 39-year-old, just sitting on the couch, perfectly sick man, just died of natural causes. Um, it, it was said that he had puked some black substance, but I want, I want to know who found that out. Like, how would they get gain access to the place that he was found dead? Well, that's true. Yeah. Because the authorities said natural causes, and they wouldn't yeah. release that. I mean, it could be that he just drank three liters of black Zambuca. <laughs> Trying himself in a bit strong, <laughs> but um, but um. What if they were to target him? Then what about Stephen Greer, Nick Pope? See, the thing is about Stephen Greer is it's Stephen Greer. I think is pretty much disinformation. I don't believe anything Stephen Greer mm. says. He kind of took. The reason I say that is that he took a genuine interest in UFOs at the start. Yeah. Which looked, which put him in the same kind of tier of ufologists as Stan Friedman and and, um, and um, a few other. I can't remember the other Roswell guys. Um, uh, he's a Japanese guy. Can't, I can't remember. But anyway, he, he was up in the upper echelons of UFO research at the start, and he was. Doing his best to um, to release UFO information out to the public, and then all of a sudden, once that really didn't go anywhere, all of a sudden he's kind of selling these kind of tours out into the fucking desert for a couple of grand for a couple of grand to go sit in some metal fucking cage and communicate with Zenu or fucking <laughs> and then his documentaries. Got this little monkey thing that he found in Mexico and been proven that it's a particular breed of monkey. It's just whatever. And he's Even in his new documentary that he's got coming out this year, he's still running with that fucking monkey thing that's an alien. From Black Series? Yeah. Hmm. He's still running with the same story, even though it's been talked shit off. It's shit. It's a shit story. <laughs> I, fucking, I don't get Stephen Greer or anyone that follows him. Or, like, he's just... There's no fact... Behind anything that he says, like that's the thing. Why, and, why wouldn't they go after guys like him, like high profile? I mean, this guy was becoming famous. See, I think this guy, like, if this guy was a genuine researcher, and it was said, um, uh, I think his one of his friends, I think, I think her name was Vanessa Bates, 
um, who actually, uh, I think she was at the conference. I don't know. But um, she actually said that he was digging in some really dark places and fucking someone wanted him. Now, if you're going to be digging around for UFOs and stuff, you're probably going to come across arms trading and all kinds of shit that maybe you shouldn't be involved in. Mm. Especially, it's especially in- interesting that it happened in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Like, to me, like, that's kind of a red flag that it's kind of Russian mafia type shit going on. So, as much as, as much as it's concerning, and it's not the first time yeah. that a senior ufologist or senior member of government who, who believed in the UFO conspiracy has been killed in strange ways, that um, this is probably more to do with something a bit more prosaic, I think, in terms of mafia and guns and crazy. It didn't seem like it was an incident that, because I think it was the day before, or two days before, he was interviewed, and it, it, didn't sound, it sounded like he was drugged in the interview. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, long yeah, pauses. Yeah. So he might have been going through a tough time. Who, mm. who, who knows, really, but... He could have been on Prozac or something yeah. and been struggling or something. But who knows? Maybe stumbled on something that the other ufologists hadn't stumbled on. That's true. And there's no doubt I've no there's no doubt that there are conspiracies in this world today. Yeah. I've got no doubt about it. I think <coughs> so I, I think some of the emails you see from Hillary Clinton and stuff. She's a right <laughs> <She's Yeah. retired. laughs> <laughs> Fucking reptilian. <laughs> <laughs> We ever get fucking David? David. You ever get David Icke in the show? <laughs> have a smile on my face more than anyone could ever imagine. <laughs> um, I think his tour's just gone for Australia. Actually, I forgot to check. Would have been a great tour. Um, to try and get that. Is, is it done? Is it too? Yeah, I think it's done. Okay. Yeah, there'll be YouTube videos at some point. He'll sell for twenty bucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, at the moment the um, Kent coroner's office is in the early investigations into Spear's death so we'll see what comes out of it we'll probably never hear anything from it again but obviously the UFO world will um, mourn his death will mourn his death and obviously they'll make sure that the outcomes of the uh, coroner's inquiry will reach the public so we've got to be watchful now we'll see what happens well yeah I mean if you it's like the dark web. You go digging around and shit. You've got, to, you've got to be careful that you don't know about. And obviously, some conspiracies will be tied into one another. Mm-hmm. So, likelihood if you're dealing in ultrasonic uh, planes or, or or UFO te- technology that those people who are hiding that in the dark in the background have been hiding other yeah. shit. So maybe he stumbled across that that way, and then he got himself in deep. deep yeah. So sometimes it's better not to go in. That's my. Um, that's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> 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 end up like the ending of Departed. Oh Jesus! Mark Wahlberg stole him with, with little booties. Bang! The Klingrup. Yeah, Klingrup. Now in better news, we're going to finish up with a little bit of better news. And we're, we're kind of, we're not in, in Eastern Europe, but we're in Turkey. A man in Turkey has built a real-life transforming car. <laughs> well, 
as in the original series of Transformers. Transformers, yeah. not the bullshit one we got now. But can he be incited while he's transformed? That's a good question. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. I wouldn't like to be in there. I wouldn't like <laughs> to be nuts when it's fully transformed. I wouldn't like to be in any vehicle made in Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I'm I'm a technologist. <laughs> Prefer to have a a firm set of uh, of tires beneath me when I'm driving. Now, it kind of looks a bit like uh, a bit like Ironhide from mm. the original yeah. cartoon series. It's actually um, it doesn't say what type of BMW. It is, I don't think. It just looks like a standard red sedan, BMW. Red, red sedan. Yeah. yeah. But it's got like the two like kind of metal hands, the, yeah. the doors that pop out, is the classic looking Transformers vehicle from from G1. It is amazing. But... Was it fingers moving too? I just saw that myself. Not sure. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, so, oh, took 12 engineers, 8 months. Just oh, 8 months? To build this thing, yeah. Wow. Imagine what they'll do in the next couple of years. Yeah. The car can't walk? No. Nah. Like the figurines couldn't walk. Yeah, they just the said... figurines were joined. Yeah. Yeah, he's more of a cliff jumper, this dude, mm. I think. That's insane. Yeah, so it's awesome. This is what so the world is... It's a drivable car. Is it? Yeah, it drives. Oh. Well, it moves. I saw it move. I don't know whether you can sit that and drive it. Oh. Michael Bay might use this for promoting the Phantom. Uh, Michael Bay? <laughs> Get me that Turkish guy on the phone. <laughs> no, they look too... <laughs> these look too much like Transformers. <laughs> He'd never... He, he, he would never use them. So the car can't can't be driven, but it is remote control. So when I just saw this, it was early in the morning when I got this article in my newsfeed. I kind of double looked. Got going, what? Hang on a minute. This is good shit. <laughs> but yeah, then I feel, when I realised it wasn't like you couldn't actually like sit in your car yeah. and hit a button and transform, then I kind of like something dropped yeah. in. But it's still good news. But that's insane, isn't it? Yeah. It is still good news. What's next, President Day? Sorry, just I'll just look again. Anyway, that's the end of part one of this podcast. We're going to take a short break. We want to come back and we're going to discuss the big news for today, big news of this podcast. We've all watched um, the prequel Strike Back documentary. Yeah, lots of stuff to discuss in terms of what the prequels mean to us now after watching the documentary whether it's changed our minds on the prequels we'll talk about that after the break
Context and expectation was stacked against George from the very beginning. There's no accounting for that kind of buildup. That more than 20 year gap between the beginning of Star Wars and the re-beginning of, with the prequels. You see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you are ready. You've been waiting for this movie since you were three years old watching that tape of Star Wars. And then the movie starts. And I hated it, the way it looked. And it was like kind of this sadness went over me and I was like, oh no. If a Star Wars movie were like an asteroid or a meter, then the Phantom Menace would be the kind that killed the dinosaurs. Expectations were unrealistically high. You're going to see a generation of kids that grew up watching the prequels that didn't feel the same way that we did. You know, we're just the loudest voice in the room. But when you see like Mike Klimo's uh, Ring Theory stuff, when he's putting these images side by side, there's no way that that's accidental. So it creates this pattern of ABC, CBA. You start looking for psychological meaning, you start looking for symbolism, and once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. But we actually did more miniatures for the prequels than were done in the original films. There were that many miniatures done on those movies. Nobody hates Star Wars like a Star Wars fan. If you don't like them, there's always Star Trek. It's so over the top. So I got to thinking, it's possible through the prequels that George Lucas might save the world. Why on earth are we complaining about this? <laughs> Welcome back to Rebels Game Radio. <laughs> We've had a good break eating chips and talking about what not. What not? What not? <laughs> but right now, we're about to review Star Wars The Prequels Strike Back. Mm. Yes. Deep. Now, Star Wars The Prequel Strikes Back is an independent film that was directed by Bradley Weatherall. Um, so it kind of goes through probably what in Star Wars fandom would be one of the more hotly debated topics in terms of where do the Star Wars prequels sit amongst um, the Star Wars film hierarchy. There's obviously different points of view depending on what generation you're from, whether you grew up with the prequels being a first experience or whether you grew up with the original trilogy as your first experience. So there was an interesting little part in here that I did later on in the film, which I'll skip forward to, is that um, uh, towards the end, one of the guys that was on there, he said, as soon as The Force Awakens comes out, he wonders if there'll be a fan of the prequels who says... What the, what the fuck is wrong with this film? That's not how fucking Star Wars is. That's not how it, that's not how it happened. That's, in, that's in not how it happened in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> so there'll be haters from the prequels for the new films. And that's pretty much what the entire film is about. But they would be, they would be teenagers, wouldn't they? Not early 20s. Well, it was 1999 when, the, when, um, when I think, uh, Phantom Menace came out. Yeah. Mm. So that's 17 years ago. I will. So if they were seven I or eight, would, they'd I be would. in their mid-twenties. Oh, yeah. I was there, but a few of the people like I interviewed. Yeah, I was eleven years old. Yeah, yeah. A few yeah. of the few of the people I interviewed, like that that girl, was saying about how she was commenting on, oh yeah, Jar Jar Binks was such and such, but it didn't really bother me at the time. Yeah, because at the time for her it didn't, didn't really matter to her because she was young and mm. just enjoying it. Yeah, that, that's the same thing that happened to me because as a kid I loved it. Yeah, I I'd watch if I could I'd, I'd watch Clone, uh, Attack of the Clones like twice a day. Yeah, 
Mm. But then as I grew older, I began to realize uh, Hayden Christian thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think nostalgia plays a great role in which trilogy that you prefer. Obviously, you got you got any kid's going to have great nostalgia to the toys that yeah. they played with as a kid. I don't know whether the bond between outwardly looking in from fans of the prequels mm. and kids that age, I don't think the bond with the prequels is as strong as the bond of kids who grew up with the original trilogy is. I don't think that bond with Star Wars is as strong or as deep. Yeah, and you got to remember at the same time when we were growing up. There was nothing out out there quite like Star Wars back in '77. No, it's very true. It's, Star Trek was around, but that was a bit different. Yeah, and and obviously the um, marketing machine around Star Wars and the toys and stuff that was all brand new, kind of first time it had ever happened type mm. stuff. That a movie and its toy line had actually taken hold amongst pop culture and mm. really grabbed a hold of an entire generation of kids rather than just now, especially now age. The, the society is so splintered into little niche groups because there's so much media yeah. that you, you can get you, to cross over across all those groups is nigh on it impossible. Yeah. So Star Wars does it pretty well, but... I think so, that's more across the line. I've, I've got no, absolutely zero interest in that. What's that Nintendo Wii game, that Disney um, game? And the, you, you, you have little Skylanders, Skylander, and you, mm. you have like um, Star Wars characters that you place on top of your player mm. and you use their character in the game. Like, I couldn't give a stuff about that, but I will actively go out and purchase expensive Lego sets and. Mm. Yeah, and decent figurines if there are such ones that are so desired. Yeah, I mean it's so we're we're we're, we're a different um, niche bracket. Yeah. Oh, most 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 definitely. It's just probably the one of the more interesting points that this film kind of takes off on as it kind of introduces this argument in terms of how original trilogy generation fans have possibly. Um, uh, denigrated the prequel trilogies. Well, it's it's a very common thing for one generation to think that they're better than the ones that follow them. Yeah. They're protecting their kind of their identity, as it were, in terms of like they identify with that trilogy. They don't identify with a new one. So obviously theirs is going to be better. Than yeah. It then goes into talking about the the defense that. Uh, Lucasfilm made to those fans that these films were intended for kids to that older generation of of original trilogy fans. But were they really intended for kids? Really? Like, kids going to want to know about fucking trade federations and blockades and all that kind of shit? Yeah. The, the, the original scroll of Phantom Menace didn't read like a kid's film no. to me. Yeah. It just... It, it, I, I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I didn't care. Yeah. I just liked the music. Yeah, I, I think there was... A, I think they tried to cross over between two real extremes in terms of the older fans where they kind of put those older themes into the films yeah. that kids probably wouldn't understand and then they put in Jar Jar Binks and they put in the Gungans and all those things that probably older fans rebelled against mm. because it was too kidsy for them. 
So you kind of had these two sets of polarizing forces in one film to try and keep the yeah, entire and fan base. Happy. A lot of us talk bullshit on all that overuse of green screen and completely 3D. No, we used to have the lightsaber. Lightsaber? Yeah. What do you mean? They pop it up in almost every scene. Oh, and you... <laughs> <laughs> it just uses the fly away of Mozzie. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I mean, like, I've, after this documentary, I warmed a little bit, mainly because it kind of took time. Sometimes you don't sit down and critically actually think about why you don't like a film or a set of film, why I haven't watched... Phantom Menace very much. Why I haven't watched uh, uh, Attack of the Clones very much. Why? I mean, I've, I've watched Revenge of the Sith quite a bit because I actually quite liked that film in terms of I didn't think it was that far away from the original trilogy for me. It kind of, but that was a much darker film than the, the first two. So I think the series got better, got better, and I think tried to tailor itself to the more mature audience, the longer the story went along. And it's probably also the evolution of the characters as they got older as well. Like yeah. Anakin wasn't a kid anymore, the one was only pod racing. Um, Jar Jar Binks kind of fell to the background, even though he ended up being a pivotal character in terms of the formation of the Empire still. Or completely stuffing everything up, depending on your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was an interesting kind of way. It, it, did, it did make me start to think about the other films in a different way, which I guess was, was, was the intent. Do I still do I like these those films any more than I did before? Maybe I don't know. It was interesting. The one thing that did annoy me was um, was uh, Bradley Weatherall's his uh, kind of uh, speech at the start of the film when he's talking about what's the best way to watch Star Wars films, and he just kind of goes, "Did start with the original trilogy." One, two, three, and then then go back to the prequels. And he said, "Well, that's kind of a clumsy way to watch it." I'm going, it's not a clumsy way to watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the way it's intended. No, like those three films were intended to be watched first, and in the storyline, they should be watched first because they were constructed around the prequels not existing and people not knowing the backstory. Yeah. And you got to so, remember too that all the original trilogy were re-released in the cinema. Mm. Uh, once every year yeah. before Phantom Menace came out. So yeah, because I I I went and saw all three of them with my parents because mm. they'd never really seen Star Wars like yeah. that before. Yeah. In one night? No, no, no. We went to all three different oh, yeah. sessions. But but yeah, Mum ended up really loving it. She's mm. like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. But that that got us all the young people up to speed before Phantom Menace came out. So yeah, I mean. If they were hovering around the 10, 11, 12 year old. Mm. Problem, the problem I think with watching the prequels first, and I told my brother this, because my nephew wants to get in, interested in Star Wars now, and he asked me what order to watch the film in. I've just gone to make him into a real Star Wars fan, where you get that moment where you just go, holy shit. He's a father. You need to have your I'm your yeah. father moment without. But sometimes I wonder, he's on the internet all the time. Yeah. Do they know anyway without even watching the films? It's just in pop culture, so they know. They've heard it, even as seven or eight year olds. Like they just know because they're so connected. Mm. So maybe it doesn't make any difference anymore. Way more than we were when we were that age. Yeah, like that could completely be controlled. Even, even like the 
the um the communication of that wasn't through any medium. It was from person to person. Mm. That's the only way you really talked about it. Yeah. Like there was no no one wrote about it in newspapers or any. You didn't learn about it through any of those mediums. It was all through person through through person to person. Mm. Or v or bootleg copies on VHS of of Star Wars and stuff. Mm. Where you got it. That's it. That's the only way you found <clears> it. So I don't know. I watching the prequels first. I think. Spoils the second line of film, so maybe it's the position of it because he is from the era of the prequels. Maybe obviously he'd have some kind of bent towards them watching, being watched that way, because he would have never had that "I'm your father" moment that the previous generation had. Like he would just wouldn't have had it. So it's hard for him to make that decision which way is the best way to watch it. And it's hard for us to say, oh, the prequels is actually, is actually worse. But purely the fact is that you, there's there's no way you can have that moment in Empire Strikes Back if you watch the prequels first. Yeah. You, just, you just can't get it. You know, you know what he's about to say yeah. when you when he says it. Oh, every father just goes, yeah, we knew that. Back I suppose you three minutes ago. <laughs> you'd empathise differently with Luke if you already knew that information too. Yeah, you'd have a different slant on Luke's style. Skywalker's motivations and yeah, yeah, which is, but you know that, that it's all out in the public domain now, so we just have to deal with it like that way. So that's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting way to introduce the entire documentary mm. with that kind of slight. Yeah, but wasn't and I guess he is arguing for the prequel. But isn't that like isn't that like him saying that like the sort of water cooler tower talk? Small talk at work. Oh, you know, what order would you watch Star no, Wars? No. Like, when you talk about Star Wars, a lot of people have mentioned that. Yeah. How do you watch it? Do you watch the prequels in order? Do you watch it? Like, yeah. How do you do your Star Wars amongst yeah. adults? But I think he was presenting it more as an argument mm. in okay. a case for, in a case in in the positive for the prequels. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was... And I don't know whether or not that's necessarily the right way. Well, I, I, I guess you need to present your argument early on if, if you're creating yeah. an argument when, you, when you're looking at, when you're crit- critically analysing a piece of film. But I don't know, it just seemed that he was trying to tilt too far in the way on the prequels because that's they were his Star Wars film, which was okay if you understand that's what he's doing. Um, the interesting thing that kind of came through in terms of the filming of the Star Wars films, which I'd never noticed before as a Star Wars fan, is that even the original trilogy and stuff, the angle where they're filmed from in terms of the camera is always looking like slightly up mm. from like the viewpoint of like an eight-year-old. Like you're an eight-year-old kid looking at them talking yeah. and stuff. That was the I never noticed that before. I was like, whoa, I never even thought about that before. That, George Lucas... He went through what George Lucas' motives may have been there. Yeah. Either A, it was just a, a style from some of um, his directors that he liked. You grunting over there enough? You all right? <laughs> 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 He's dying over there. Oh, a bit uh, of fever. A bit of fever. Well, maybe we'll just do this I podcast. I got the fever. We'll cut the second you podcast. Part part boys. Well, why don't we do the second part? Next in a couple of weeks. Yeah, because yeah. we're going to be recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes, that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so being from... Yeah, so they, they kind of were talking about how it may have been his favourite directors that kind of filmed from that perspective in their films, yeah. or he intentionally did it to be the kids, like to support that Star Wars is for kids, mm-hmm. that he actually filmed it from that angle so eight-year-olds would engage with that film and that instantly 18-year-olds would engage with this is me, and it's kind of a little bit what... I guess it's a similar tactic from a narrative point of view. Like that's why Twilight was so successful, apparently, because of the of the tactic behind the writing in terms of they never described the character of Bella in any way at all in the books. They, oh. they just gave a, a general view of who she was, but then the way the books were written, they drew the reader into picturing themselves in the oh. position of Bella oh. in the books. So they never described Bella and what she looked like, oh. ever. So you, when they're imagining things, you drew them in to, like, Prince Charming was there and it was them. Mm. So there is a similar motive here where you're the one walking around with Han Solo in the hot base. Yeah. You're like the eight-year-old, ten-year-old kid that's walking around with them and seeing all this shit. So it was an interesting thing that I'd never picked up before. And maybe that's why I didn't connect with the prequel trilogies because that's not my sense of view in the world. Mm. Yeah, that's that. I was going to say that too because I I was wondering if, like, there's two key things I took from the documentary that I loved hearing about was that they were, his filming style, like, tips his hat to old Buster Keaton. Films. Yeah, Buster Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got here Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, all yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. Crazy how similar it was. Right? I know, and they show, mm-hmm. they show the old Buster Keaton movies and yeah, all the times are big stuff. Yeah. Going, oh, okay. But I guess George might have been young when he'd seen those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, he would have been. Think most directors would have taken something. Back in the day and yeah. incorporated. Oh, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think I think I don't I, I honestly don't think there's a genuinely original idea left anymore. Yeah. Like they're all conglomerations of the pop culture you grow yeah. with. But but like having said that though, like when they said George was a student before embarking on Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Like he was creating films in his classes and stuff that people were like, Whoa, I've never yeah, seen that, anything like this. That before. little montage they showed that just still photos with yeah. them. So yeah. So, in terms of his authorship of creating that, mm. as well as tipping his hat to old famous scenes from, I'm assuming, films he reacted to in a good way when he was a kid. Yeah. Because you got to remember, he's from the black and white generation. Yeah, we, yeah we're, we're lucky. We've seen everything transition yeah. from black and white like to yeah. colour when we were probably, or when Carl and I would have yeah. been... Yeah. Turning 10, 11, that's when I mean, I mean, like, when I was young and still growing up, like, on <coughs> every morning, I think it, I think it might have been on Agro's Cartoon Connection or whatever it was on in the mornings or during the week. There was something, there was a show on in the mornings every day during the week. No, it was like a cartoon yeah. show that was hosted, I think it was on Channel 7. But they'd always show, like, the Flash Gordon five-minute serial show that was on there with the oh, sparklers and yeah. all that kind of shit. Oh. And it was only for five minutes for like, it was like an hour thing or whatever. But, and that's, I remember watching that and thinking, well, I want to get a copy of that if I can because yeah. I really enjoyed it as a kid, like the serialised nature of it. And maybe that's serialisation was something, that's a generational thing as well. Yeah. And that's 
maybe why the original trilogy did so well because I don't think the second set of prequels are as serialised as the original ones are with that cheesy kind of love story and yeah, sort yeah. of stuff um, that were done in a different way. Like the original prequel was ultra cheesy. That kind of, as an adult, didn't really work at all. But the first ones, they, they had cheese in them, but it wasn't cheese. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like watching them back as an adults, I don't see them as cheesy as the as the prequels are cheesy. Yeah. Like the rolling around in the hills of Naboo. That was, was George Lucas grating cheese on the, all over the. Yeah, and then the the cutting of the fruit the, with any. Did it force? Yeah, with the oh, he's got the knife there, and then he's the the only time I think Grumpy is uttered in a, in a master Obi one would be Grumpy if uh, if, he, yeah. if he knew it. I was like Grumpy, really? Come on, Grumpy. man! <laughs> I mean, but, like, yeah, but that, yeah. that's all in Hayden Christensen delivery. So well, yeah, and whilst we're talking about <laughs> about the dialogue and stuff, George Lucas did. Um, during the documentary, there's a section of the documentary where he said the dialogue in Star Wars really doesn't matter. You should be able to watch oh, Star yeah. Wars with the sound off. Yeah, it's just the dialogue is just part of the soundtrack. Like it's not what the film is. The film is like visually and everything. You could should be able to watch Star Wars with the sound off like a silent film. I was just kind of like, mm. eh, I don't know, George. I'm not sure about that <laughs> because. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a soundtrack with the movie which sets the tone. Yeah. But is he just saying that because his dialogue's shit? Yeah. <laughs> he just wrote shit dialogue, so he's just saying that? Did he say that after the prequel? Um, it was... It would have been... I, I actually think the footage was from before the prequel, actually. Somewhere. I can't remember where it was sat in the in the, in the the documentary, but it, but, it, but, it, but it was in there. And he discussed how the dialogue doesn't matter. And I was kind of like, hmm. Yeah, that's what, probably what he thinks. Yeah. But it's not the reality. What you think in the reality, like being the creator is a different thing. You can say that. That's what you want, but that's not the outcome. Yeah. But that that's the point they're making later in the documentary when they're talking about um, Roland Bart, the art theorist, who's saying, forget about the person who made the art. Just look at the art. Yeah. And yeah. then go from there. As opposed to thinking about what his intentions were. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I I think George is. I mean, George Lucas is. Well, he ran away from it all, didn't he? He got out of there. Yeah, the end of the day, (laughs) that's what happened. He got out of there. Star Wars got too much for him. Obviously, he's he saw himself as too old to get through through to the twelve twelve films that he always intended at the start for it to be. There's no way that he could see out the. I don't even, what's the, what's the number for 12? One. Like the, like oct is eight. It looks like it's 12. It doesn't, there must be a word for it. Octa, penta, from double penta on gram. Parallelogram. The parallelogram. There's literally 12 films. Mm, but yeah, I mean, George has copped a fair bit from the Star Wars fan base, but at the same token... I will end you! I mean, like, <laughs> the Star Wars fans have given him a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, you they've been loyal. You stamp fucking Star Wars on the fucking uh, syringe and they'll buy it. 
Star Wars Serena. Star Wars Serena. Oh, look, in there, lead up. In a lead up to yeah. Force Awakens. Oh, you go to any supermarket yeah. and you'll easily bump into Star Wars. Yeah. Really? It was Force Awakens shampoo. Yeah. I've got Force Awakens shampoo. I've got body wash of Darth Vader and, and Yoda in my fucking shower. That's bizarre. Yeah. I thought I knew you. No. So do you, hold, do you hold the shampoos up and they like... Yeah, I'll make them kiss. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 you got those like wind up, wind up bath toys yeah. and they're like... <laughs> yeah, but I mean like you can... I mean like you can put Star Wars onto a bottle of, of, of whiskey and all of a sudden you'll have 11 year old drugs walking in. But there, there's there's Star Wars um like Milo bikes, mm-hmm. um and it's got all the graphics on it and it's just black and white bits of breakfast cereal. It was like with yeah. a three star rating. It's yeah. not very good for. It's it. like an addiction. Yeah, like they addict kids to it. I think they fall away from it at a certain age. I think they fall away from it maybe 13, 14, once girls come mm-hmm. in the picture. Mm-hmm. And then I think once they kind of hit their late twenties, early thirties. Then they return to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm coming to one up. So After their hormones. I'm, I'm back, back, baby. Yeah. yeah. After they've knocked I'm up. I think I'm back. They've knocked up a couple of girls. Is that all right? Now, back to my collection. <laughs> now, I need to get my it's last. Continuous. My last. I've never bought that yak face. <laughs> yeah. I need to buy yak face. Yak face will be mine. Yes. Um, anyway, back to the documentary. I don't know how we got on to syringes. And... Oh, we got on. We're talking about yeah, George. 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 Oh, George. Oh, Georgie, and how he owes the Star Wars universe as much as, as um, we owe George as much as he owes us. But um, back to the films. The next thing they kind of talked about in terms of um, the prequels get uh, uh, allegedly a bad run for saying they were like overly CGI and green screen. They argued against this, saying that there was actually more miniatures built for the prequel films than any of the original trilogy films. But then balanced that out by saying there were 65 effect shots in a film like Jurassic Park back in the 90s, but then the prequel films had over 2,000 effect shots in them. And pretty much any film but then had 2,000 of it. So they were obviously heavy, heavily CGI'd. So it doesn't matter how many miniatures that were built. And I know they argue against that scene in Return of the Jedi where it's the painted Millennium Falcon on the wall and Lena Carithian. That only happened once. Yeah, though. once. That only happened once. One time. Just one time. One time that was shit. Yeah, one That's time that was shit. Yeah. Whatever. But even though they used the miniatures, it seemed to be a background and just a layer for CGI mm. to sit on top of. Mm. And I think that's where the prequels... And I think one of the um, guys very early on in the film said within the first five minutes when um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon jump off into the bay of the um, Trade Federation ship and they drop really weirdly, like the gravity's not quite right. And it's just kind of like he said, yeah, that was it. I'm out. I can't do this. They've broken Star Wars for me now. That's not what Star Wars is. And that clone army bit where they found the clone army being 
harvested on that planet. Oh, so you see them all, see all walking, walking the yeah. same way. Yeah. yeah. Just like oh dear. hit the clone, just hit yeah. the clone button, paste, paste, yeah. paste, paste. We'll put a helmet on this one. Yeah, but yeah. that one's not going to have a helmet. So. Yeah, they'll never notice. And then one of them, they forgot to do it, and he's in the normal swing. Like, <laughs> 3D studio yeah. hasn't even been animated. He's just floating. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did you guys think of the first five minutes uh, in Revenge of the Sith? First five minutes of Revenge of the Sith? I don't remember because I've only I remember the first five minutes of Revenge shot along the ship and then it goes over the ship and then you can see the massive battle. Oh, the, the battle. That's yeah. the probably the, one of the best CGI moments in any film ever. Mm. That's, um, that but was, that's all. That was epic. There's no model. It's all. Yeah, it's all CGI, but. Um, that shot was beautiful. It, it it was a it was a brilliant shot. That entire sequence yeah. with um, Obi Wan and Anakin. That's probably the best bit of Anakin um, in the entire seven mm. three films when he with um, with Chewie with R two yeah. and um, those little um, droids coming and start yeah. tearing across the tearing up Yeah, so that was probably Anakin's best bit in the entire three films in terms of lines delivered and acting, mm. but. Yeah, the CGI in that. Phenomenal. Best CGI across any Star Wars. Mm. And probably across probably got any film I've seen. Yeah. How many assets there are in those frames yeah. and how the details that yeah. even the details of the planet in the background. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. So good. So in that in that sense, that's probably the dichotomy of all the films is that the balance on that, you've got um, and he was also the leader of the technology because all his yeah. companies produced that technology. Yeah. yeah. So he went. He, him doing that went on to service all the other. See, but that in it, the film. Yeah, and that in Revenge of the Sith, the opening scene was also a mindful use of CGI for a purpose, like a real, genuine purpose. Mm-hmm. Whereas that in like them jumping into the lake in the, to go to the Gungan underground. <laughs> yeah, and right. <laughs> And like riding on the back of that like wild boar thing on the boom, <laughs> and then falling off and oh Annie and that weird hot rod looking car thing in Attack of the Clones <laughs> where when they're chasing the oh, chasing yeah. the sniper through it the, was like a yellow kind of, yellow kind of hot rod looking yeah. thing kind of like American gra- it's, Fifth Element it looked like George Lucas trying to bring American graffiti yeah. into Star Wars yeah. it's kind of like oh we well, will put a hot rod in stuck it kind of looks like a taxi cab but anyway. <laughs> But, and that's the problem, I think. Like, CGI used when it didn't need to be was, I think, was the problem. And the pod races, it's all, it's all right. It's no, there's no way you could have got around that. But then you've got, to balance that out, you've got all those Attack of the Clone moments where it's just overused. I thought it was heavily overused in that film, and that's why it's definitely number six. <clears throat> I prefer to watch Phantom Menace before Attack yeah. of the Clones. It's Attack of the Clones is not unwatchable. For me, anyway. The Coliseum bit. It's all we use lightsabers. Lightsabers everywhere. Jesus. But, yeah, I mean, like, not that everything in the original trilogy was great either. I mean, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, the Ewok storyline wasn't particularly believable. Yeah, <laughs> like, I saw that on the kid, but yeah, but Return of the Jedi was, was my entry point into Star Wars. At, oh. at that age, like, that was the first Star Wars film I right. really watched. Yeah, yeah. And then I went back and watched the others. Like, 
like I said, like I had Star Wars recorded on VHS from TV where I paused all the ads out and so I had the entire oh, film. Ah, no. And then, like, so I literally watched that VHS tape until it broke. Right. Yeah. So I, every sick day I'd watch Star Wars twice. <laughs> you know school. what, though? Like, every weekend I'd watch Star Wars four or five times. <laughs> you might poo-poo the Ewoks, but at least they had real people inside the Ewoks. Oh, no, the Ewoks were and, much and more believable than Gungans. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the Gungans were just, like, insulting. Yeah. Much. Yeah. And with that, that made-up um, language that they sort of had, like, okay, yeah, you, you know, they would have a different accent, but yeah. um, it was a frustrating yeah. accent. Yeah, and and, and, <laughs> and this is where I think this documentary kind of asks one of the key questions, I think, between the prequels and the original trilogy is, did CGI, did CGI revolutionise Star Wars or did it ruin it? Mm. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. I, based on where they went to with Force Awakens, Force Awakens, it it revolu- revolutionises Star Wars, whilst I think the prequels ruined it. Mm. Like they over the, that uh, that final lightsaber battle between Anakin and Obi Wan, the lava and the fucking. There's a bit where I'm, I, I remember when I first watched, it and I was like glued to the screen looking at this battle, and then they fall into the thing and it. Going down the river of lava, and then this robot pops up out of the <laughs> and they land on his head. Yeah. And it's like, fuck you, motherfuckers. I was right into this. This was fucking it. The epic you battle. Me away. You fucking made a funny joke in the <laughs> middle of the most epic fucking battle in Star Wars, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the prequels lost to me. They couldn't, they couldn't not stop themselves from putting. Childlike moments yeah. in serious situations. They had to do it all the time. Whilst the original trilogy didn't do that. Mm. And that's why, to me, the original trilogy will always trump them. But that being said, I do have respect for the characters I didn't have for, especially from this documentary, because I never really fully understood the importance of Qui-Gon in the entire world of the Force in terms yeah. of he was the one that figured out the Force goes. He was the one that made it. He's the one that taught Yoda how to do yeah. it. Mm. He was the one. So that makes the original trilogy films, and in fact, Phantom Menace, much more important to me now. Mm. And I watch it in a different way because of that. Mm. And, I, and I don't know whether or not they should explain that a little bit more in maybe an edit of the film. Yeah. Will they actually explain that a bit more for people? Well, he, cause he talks about the Monochlorians too. Yeah, um, the, which weren't touched upon in, because everything was so mysterious, force related. Mm. Anything force related in the mm. original trilogy was very mysterious. Yeah, yeah, Whereas but I, this one uh, it was a bit more explained. Yeah, out. but I, you know, the Jedi academies, mm. cons, like consultations with all the mm. top Jedi. But I think you're more you're more kind of find out this ambiguous thing from Yoda where he kind of says, um. Master Qui-Gon has figured out a way to... And it's kind of... It doesn't... It's not directly related to Force Ghosts. You don't know that that's the first time that the Force Ghosts have existed in the Star Wars universe. Mm. So his importance is kind of downplayed a bit. That's a fucking important thing, because without that, then Obi-Wan's 
nowhere can't communicate. Can't with communicate. Yeah. So it's a vital thread through the storyline, which makes quite quite in and the prequels even more important. Mm. That's probably a more important story thread than Anakin Skywalker, mm. or, or just as important. Those two, because that's Obi Wan and Darth Vader's mm. trail yeah. that go all the way through the films. So yeah, I wish they would have played that up a little bit more. You know, I would have appreciated the films a whole lot. Yeah, you know, one thing I love about the original trilogy is like, and it's, I'm glad my brother or family didn't explain it to me when we were watching it, but I remember when I was a kid watching Empire Strikes Back for the first time and that bit where he's trying to grab the um, lightsaber out of the snow. Like, I, that was, to me, I was like, that befuddled me when I was a kid. Like, what's going on? Like, mm. what, what's he doing? And And... It's the force. The force. It's the force. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't. It didn't happen until a year or so later. I mean, I caught on a bit more. Worked out that yeah, the force is this telekinesis type thing. Yeah. Well, it's well, it's whilst we're talking about this, I'm talking about like when you're a kid, you kind of I don't know, I, I assume that you guys did the same that you're probably lying in your room and. The remote's out of reach. And trade it. <laughs> <laughs> like, come, yeah. on, come, come on, come on, come on. But I think that's a lot of that um, uh, childlike belief in like the films and the stories they tell. I think in the entire Star Wars set of films, I think there's one scene that in terms of how it ended up in pop culture, I think was is, and they talked about it in this, uh, but I don't think they talked about it enough. Was the scene when um, C3PO is going to his oil bath and they've got R2D2, they've just bought them on the Jawas, and he's sitting there and he's playing and he's playing with that spaceship in the sky. Yeah. He's the right? T. Yeah. What are T. Yes. It's the. T Wing. Yeah, T Wing something. Um, and then that scene in there, actually, I think, that was like as a kid, I think you relate. When they brought the toys out, that was like you. Like he was playing with a toy there mm-hmm. and imagining himself off in some universe somewhere. Yeah. And that related directly back to kids. They got toys and they were doing the same thing and they were being... They want to run away from yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were Luke Sky, Skywalker. I think that one scene actually is the key thing into why the marketing erupted in terms of that. Because you could visually see that your hero was playing with a toy and imagining himself off in space fighting battles. Yeah. And that's who you wanted to be. And you could do that by going down to the shops and just buying a can of toy. Yeah. And I think that it's a pivotal scene which I think gets undersold in terms of everything we've got in Star Wars today. It's not yeah. just the stories, it's the imagination of yourself within those stories. You know what didn't happen with the prequels? What didn't happen? And this is something I've been thinking about Oh, here we go. But, um, We've got your poor, poor old... Um, there seems to be some kind of little curse that comes with the whole Star Wars thing. Because what do you mean, the curse? Well, no, no. Like gypsy curse? No, not like that. But, but apparently, in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back or something, Luke Scott, uh, Mark Hamill was involved in a really nasty car accident. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, cut up his face. Yeah, he looked older and injured. And... And you could really tell when he's being um, fixed up in that tank. Oh, yeah, after yeah. After he got beaten up by the Wampa or whatever. Yeah. 
And then poor old Luke, uh, Mark, um, what's his name? Mark Hamill. No. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford had this force of a car crash on his leg. Um, door closed on his leg. At least during you, during filming. It's going to be good. Did you have to do Ewan McGregor? Yeah, well, McGregor. Well, this is what I'm thinking like. I don't know. I don't think so. I can't remember. I remember you and McGregor like after Star Wars cracked his motorcycle when he was doing that motorcycle tour around, <laughs> around Africa. Yeah, I suppose that's one. Yeah. There was like for every yeah. yeah. And um, but yeah, like Harrison Ford sued his company for like yeah, how much was it? Yeah. He got a payout too. I just I remember reading that article yeah. not that long ago. It was like a fucking hefty amount. Mm. But I mean, he's what is he? How old is he? Eighty something? No, seventy. Um, like broken leg at that age, yeah. is no, like broken legs no good for anyone. Like long term, yeah. like you feel it when you're older. Yeah. So fuck. And JJ Abrams did his best to try and lift the door. <laughs> oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. yeah. 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 Jeez, you would have felt bad that day. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Sorry, Han. Sorry, Han. No wonder he's so bitter in all the interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, want to talk yeah. about yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. One of the other Star Wars things that they discussed in the documentary was, um, and it's something I didn't really understand was when they talked about the the storytelling of Ring Theory, of where you go through the hero's journey of um, yeah, that was cool that yeah, and and seeing like the, I guess I, I I don't know whether you consciously do those things or whether or not you just from stuff that you consume in pop culture. But you understand that that's the journey that a hero takes. Mm. That they like they want to get out of there and experience well. They get their experiences and then they come back with what they've learned. Yeah. And, and then it happens to their children. Then it happens to their children. Yeah. Whether or not that's just a loop of life. That's yeah. what everyone does. As an 18 year old, 90 year old, you're running around, you're jumping off cars, you're doing crazy shit, you're breaking legs, you you're figuring stuff stuff out. You become an adult and then you become mm. that. Mm. Come back. It's like when you, like when you're in your twenties, you, you, you make different decisions yeah. than you do. You take more risks when you're older and yeah. in your thirties, and yeah, and you, you don't, have less friends. Don't as yeah, and as you grow old, you're like, you, I mean, as you grow older, you you kind of develop demons and stuff that you need to face, and then you, mm. you grow up, and then you kind of decide how you're going to deal with them, and then you become you actually become an adult yeah. once you figure all that kind of stuff out. So. Um, I guess seeing that loop around with the films, it's it's an interesting kind of theory. I don't know whether it actually worked though. It seemed to be a bit out of kilter with some of the films, and they were happy to accept. Oh yeah, that didn't quite work. That was just flipped around for this film and whatever. Mm. So I don't know whether or not it actually really does work. But you can definitely, obviously, you can see the repeating patterns in all. What three trilogies are? Obviously, yeah. we got Ray. But the, you know, the guy, the guy that came up with that theory, was a highly considered mythologist. He, yeah, like that's his thing. Yeah, like, Joseph, he, Joseph, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, he, yeah, so he's renowned for knowing about myths. And, yeah, so for those of you that aren't really familiar with we'll just go through them. So in the hero's journey, there's a there's a departure where they feel a call to adventure. So whether or not it be Anakin Skywalker or Luke Skywalker or Rey in terms of the Force Awakens trilogy. You didn't have the note there about the Dante story in the Greek mythology. Dante? Dante. Oh, it's the same story. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, then you go through the transformation where you're learning and you're testing. So, like Empire Strikes Back, Luke goes to Dagobah and learns the skills. Dagobah! Anakin goes to Coruscant and he joins the Jedi Order and mm. learns skills. Ray's obviously going to go through something with Luke and go through that transform- transformation with Luke, whether or not she goes to the dark side or the light side. I'm actually beginning to think that the two roles that we saw in the, in the original film were completely crossover and that Ray will actually go completely to the dark side and it'll actually be the redemption of, of Ben Solo going back the other way. And that will be where actually it's the hero's journey in reverse for Ben and Solo. And then he has to save Ray. Yeah, that that he'll save Ray at the end, and it'll be it'll be the reverse around. So we're actually watching the hero's journey in reverse with Ben Solo. Yeah. So um, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah um, I like that. Yeah, and then you return and you bring like the wisdom to back to the character. So somebody made the graphic <coughs> Photoshop that uh, Ray with the the red lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think obviously a lot of people have said that because she understood the Force so quickly that she took the quick. Path as mm. a force user, which is like a shortcut, dark side thing. Yeah, and obviously um, there's question marks around that though, because obviously um, Obi Wan's voice is used. Ray, 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 do you love me, Ray? Madame, do you love me, Madame? Do you love me, Ray? So um, it'll be interesting to see where that hero's journey goes amongst the films. Whether or not they use the hero journey, the hero journey in shorter versions in the standalone films, um, that'll be interesting as well. Um, it the other thing that they kind of and it was one other thing that was kind of an interesting point that they brought up is that Obi Wan and Yoda within the within the film structure they. Jedi's usually searched for kids and then took them away from their families to train them. Yeah. Whilst as in the pre- at the end of the prequels, when they when Luke and when Luke and uh, Leia are born, they obviously have come to a feeling that that's not the right mm. thing to do, pulling them away from their families. And instead, you see them getting put into a family away from the Force until they're ready from it. So. When they mentioned that was another thing. Um, with the, what we saw in Force Awakens, relating it back to Force Awakens, with that being in mindful that Luke went through that and being put away, did was one of the reasons that Luke's Jedi score didn't work because he followed that same train and that he actually brought in older kids yeah. with four structures who were a bit more uncontrollable, which then led to the downfall of his... Of his uh, but of his episode story. 8 has got a bit of catching up to do because it's got a... It needs to tell us what happened in those 30 years and a little bit more as well. Yeah, well, I think you'll get... I think episode 2 will be the key... Episode 2. Episode 8. Episode 8, eight series 2 of this current, mm. current trilogy will be the most important one in terms of there's little doubt you'll need to know where who Snoke is. Yeah. Like yeah. they can't get around, they can't leave that to a third mm-hmm. one. Um so you're probably also in that story story line with Snoke, obviously Snoke would have obviously he, he, he knows who Ray is. Like he like like mm. he knows. So obviously you will understand what, what Ray's background is yeah. in that storyline as well. Um 
Yeah, so I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, he lost control of his Jedi school and they turned against him and they destroyed it. Obviously, I would, to me, I would say that he brought in older kids that were maybe like teenagers, maybe rebellious teenagers and stuff. And that head of the Knights of Reno. Get a whole group of them together and all of a sudden you've got like the Twilight vampires all together. <laughs> <laughs> going crazy. So they're all listening to fucking 30 Seconds from Mars. Which, <laughs> <laughs> again, losing this, they're all emos with their lightsabers in the corner. So hmm. maybe, I mean like Ben, ben Solo could easily be an emo. There's little doubt about that. He looked at me there. Yeah, he looked at me there. So, Some mascara. Yeah, so... I mean, if you get a group of those teenagers together with like-minded stuff, they realise how powerful they are as a collective, and they're too young to understand what their powers actually mean, then that could obviously be the case. So that storyline of Luke doing that, is it a mistake of Obi-Wan and Yoda not sticking to the Jedi principles of getting... Well, they bugged it off, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan didn't bugger off too far because he was literally just on an outcrop in the desert close to Luke. Yeah. But Yoda had gone yeah. to the um, Dag- Dagobah. Yeah, so he's in the jungle. He really got away. <laughs> he's in the I jungle. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So whether or not that was a mistake or not by those two, like a final mistake in terms of what would happen to to the Empire in the end, in terms of, of letting the Empire grow very quickly... Without the Jedi forces, there people yeah. But again, I guess they had no other choice. They had to do it. They had to step away from the principles, otherwise, the, those two would have, yeah. babies would have been killed. Yeah. But it's obviously possibly had repercussions to how Luke trains Jedi's later on. Mm-hmm. So, be interesting. Now, last questions to be asked. Was the expectations of the prequels to reignite an original trilogy fan's childhood always going to be unobtainable? Like you never spark that same spark in like a thirty-year-old man that you would when you were twelve years old. And you watched that movie. If you if you watch the prequels and you're older, no. If you were a Star Wars fan, like yeah. so, you were thirty years old in like. Um, well, what was it, 77, so it's 20, so that's, yeah, so let's say you're 30 years old, yeah. and you're watching the prequels in 1999, you had all that, you had your Kenner collection at home, yeah. you, buddy, you've got the original Star Wars collection on Laserdisc, you kick them back, <laughs> <laughs> you go into that cinema expecting to feel that magic that you kind of felt as a kid. Was that always going to be an unattainable expectation to live up to? Like, you, you, it's just never going to happen. You're never going to feel the same way about the films, no matter what happens. Yes. No, like, they, they could be exactly, they could be just as good as their Star Wars films. Yeah. And still, they would never be as good yeah. as their Star Wars films. Because I reckon when you're but in your 30s. Because you always get that in your childhood. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's that link to nostalgia, which I think... They could have been, those three films could have been better than the original trilogy. They could have been better, but they still would never have been as good. Because the, you don't have that link, that emotional tie to the, yeah. the same one. And you're more grumpy when you're 32. Cause, yeah. Because when you're 32 or 32. Well, <laughs> yeah, and as, I, I guess 
I guess like when you those just, films, know, you just see life a bit differently. Yeah, I guess yeah. when those films came out, it's not quite like it is now. Like that was not that was still before social networking and really before everyone had a mobile phone. Yeah, was going on before the internet really. Then these current films are launching in a, a social environment where everything's viral and spreads. Um, it's easy to sit back and hate from afar, much more than any other period of Star Wars. So yeah, so. Maybe it was like a voice of the. As they got older and older and grumpier and grumpier, mm-hmm. and then they finally got a chance to voice their opinion about Star Wars. You, the negative people are always more more noisy than the positive ones. Mm. Always. I don't know what. I'd like to know. I'd like a full on poll of maybe like a million Star Wars fans. Like, a, do it at, at Star Wars. Star Wars Europe or something. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Solo Poll everyone there and ask them exactly. Ask them to rank all the films. Everyone who signed the ticket has got to rank the films when they're buying the tickets. <laughs> and find out exactly. You'll, like, you'll be able to get all kinds of data, age and stuff, age and sex and stuff that matches up to all that data yeah. and see what the sense is of all those films in the hierarchy of Star Wars rather than just the noise that you hear on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, the reality of it all amongst the greatest Star Wars community, which I don't think anyone's really got a sense of. Yeah. But you, you've got our own little group, and we talk about our friends, and, and yeah, we generally we generally don't rank the prequels as highly as the original Star Wars generally. But then are we are we just being what grumpy old men? <laughs> <laughs> so. That is the question, as I said before. Will prequels fans hate these new sequels that are coming out? Will prequel fans hate the sequels? It's got the original trilogy sitting in the middle. The prequels fans sit there. These sequel fans, these young kids that are coming up, are they going to be hated by prequel fans? And then original trilogy <laughs> fans hate the prequel fans. <laughs> is, My mind is in the bubble. Are we in a circle of hate? <laughs> ring theory of hate. The ring theory of hate. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, I, after watching this documentary, appreciate the prequels more mm. than I did. Do I think they're better films than the original, yeah. the original trilogy? No. I think Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are obviously the best two films in terms of, they may not be great scripts or ever, but the actual story structures and, the, and what they are, mm. the adventures that are in them are by far the best two adventures in the Star Wars universe. <clears throat> then you've got the other four films. Return of the Jedi is great because it's the conclusion to those first two that you love. So you're always going to like it. Mm. Why I probably don't like Return of the Jedi so much is because, as a kid, whenever I got... Street <laughs> no, whenever... <laughs> like, whenever I... I was a kid, and then you, I don't know, mum comes back from the supermarket. Oh, I got your Star Wars toy. And it's, it's fucking Warwalk the fucking Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> mum, what's going on here? <laughs> there were stormtroopers. There's all kinds of shit you could have bought. You bought me your fucking Ewok. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know. The, the Ewok were difficult to swallow as a kid for me. 
I didn't know what to do with them when yeah. I was playing. Like, you got the Star Wars with laser guns and these monkeys with sticks. <laughs> How are they going to... They just don't... Yeah. yeah. Like, they don't... Yeah, no, they, yeah. they made whole play sets of Ewoks where you could set up... You could set up the traps in the... Yeah. In the forest. You could set they, them they up. They made a cartoon series in the 90s. Yeah, no, I'm buying that on DVD. They it's part of it's part of the it's one of the DVDs. And they made the Caravan of Caravan. No, I've never watched the yeah, cartoons or droids or the droids cartoons. I grew up watching the cartoons. I'm trying to remember the song. <laughs> well, I'm gonna buy it on DVD because they combine a lot of the episodes into like two feature length films. Wow. So I'm gonna catch it. And that's the only way you can get it on DVD, though. there's no full collection of them. It is very good. So, yeah. But yeah, I've got the Caravan of Courage and... Um, oh, the Caravan was weird. And uh, I can't remember the name of the other Ewok, Ewok film. The Christmas special, isn't it? No, no, there was, a, there was two Ewok films. Oh, right. They're in a double DVD. They're in a double DVD pack. That's with the Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, the second film is with like, the, the weird-looking yeah. Bigfoot dudes. And there's like Santa Claus in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but like... At least, yeah, at least I guess he's more than 500 metres from a school. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's all nostalgia. The entire love of everything is always nostalgia. Um, it's the reason why I only collect Vina, 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 the vintage Kenner toys, because I'm not attached to anything else after that. I, so. I bought figurines from episode one, but never pursued it thereafter. Yeah. So. I have actually bought, because I enjoy the show so much, and there is some Star Wars attachment to Rebels now, but because I enjoy it so much, I actually have bought a few Rebels figures because mm. I like them so much. Because mm. I like the characters of Ahsoka. Like, I liked Ahsoka Tano through Clone Wars. Yeah. I really enjoy the character for her little cameo within Rebels. And then, um, like, I haven't got Kanan or Ezra or anything, mm. but just... Just a few little things, and I'll buy one or two figures from the new thing. I think the Tie Striker would be a good toy yeah. to have amongst the other Tie yeah, yeah, yeah. But besides that, I don't feel any attachment to them. Just part yeah, of the collection. Yeah, yeah. Like if someone came in and stole my Tie Striker, I just there's yeah, an antique it. shop just, just <laughs> down the road. Yeah, from where I live. Yeah, just literally over there. Literally, literally. And they got um, Poe Dameron's X-wing in the front window. Oh, that one. Seventy-five bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. 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 I've been considering buying a black set. Black they look good. Just because I like good. the look of them. Somehow. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, and see, that's the other thing that's going to be good looking for the eight. Poe Dameron. I'll be interested. Um, I'll be interested in who. Who? I can't remember. Finn. 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 Yeah. FN two one zero seven. Yes. <laughs> I, I think he's kind of up with an exoscope. Yeah, well, they said he. They said they said very on very very early on in the film, you will understand what happened to Finn after his after his damage. He did a bionic in episode eight. Yeah. Maybe he'd be like Darth Maul. What happened to, what happened to him in the end? Remember him? Well, he got that massive like, strike right up his spine with the laser thing, Ooh. and then they uh, Chewie carried him onto the oh, Millennium right. Falcon, and they got him to the medical bay. Shit. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then Ray left um, to go chase Luke and yeah. gave FN2187 a bit of a kiss in the forehead, I think, for memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of a love story there. Yeah. So, yeah, be interesting. I, I reckon Ray will end up killing FN2187. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, that would be... That's a bit nasty. She's going to turn. 
Bit of a skewing. Mini prods down the side of the Yes, down the silo. That's to be some kind of fucking the bottom of pit. Into the bottom of the pit. So anyway, what did did this documentary change your guys' emotions no. towards the prequels? No. Oh, I've got a renewed thing now that I want to sit down and watch all three of them now. Um, and I've got mm. them on DVD ready to go, so mm. I'm, I'll take the time, I'll sit down and watch them again. And just, yeah. I only found out what I had the other day in my bucket underneath. That was underneath all the shit in my cupboard. I realised that I had Star Wars on VHS. And it was the last version of Star Wars they released before they fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's gold. It's gold, Jerry. I've actually got a... Did you, did you watch it? No, I haven't yet. I'm going to... Oh, I don't want to play them too much. No, no. I'm going to get... I'm going to play them each one's more. I'm going to... Borrow the little um, adapter from work, and plug it in and record it to digital. Yeah, so I've got we've got an adapter work. But, um, put in the RCA. I, I, was, I was very lucky. I was able to get the double DVD pack that had the George Lucas edit plus the original cut in its all its original glory. So very I, happy. I was got them at that time. I actually found a really good cheap online auction site which I didn't know existed. And it had it's had a couple of versions of the actual Star Wars VHS collections unopened for twenty five bucks. The oh, version wow. before mine from nineteen ninety two, I think, and they were twenty five bucks. Cash Converters has an online auction site which I don't think anyone fucking knows about. <laughs> and Never heard of it. it's fucking cheap as. It's fucking there's insane stuff on there. For, well, you all know about it now. You're listening, but yeah, it, yeah it's insane. There's like I was on there and I, I saw. Um, Kenner Imperial sh- Shuttle, which is one of the biggest and most expensive fucking toys in the Kenner line, yeah. which no one really gets because there's so many fucking parts missing. And there's a full one in there in cash converters in Perth. In Perth. They usually go for about $450, $500 on eBay. And I was sitting there, buy it now, no fucking bidding, for $149. What? And I was almost considering just buying it and then maybe driving across. <laughs> <laughs> the, flight, the flight would be 600 or so return. Wasn't there shipping? No, no shipping. Got to no shipping. No shipping. No, no shipping. No shipping. Like they ship the VHS and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I also and I almost bought it. The entire the new version of Battlestar Galactica that was on maybe a decade ago now. I never really watched it. I only watched the original. I had the entire Blu-ray collection with all the standalone films in there as well yeah. for 25 bucks. The entire Blu-ray coach. Yeah. Which is usually like a hundred bucks on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I thought I should buy that. I'm going, nah, I'm fucking not going to like it. I just want to watch the old one. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, if you're looking, ever looking for cool collectibles, and you just think, oh, I might have a look there, Cash Converters eBay site. Mm-hmm. Not their eBay site, their auction site. Yeah, check it out. Well, I remember a time when Cashies used to have a great collection of old consoles: Nintendo, Sega, Mark, Mega Drives. Mega drives, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they've got they them. They're having shockers. And they've got them on the auction site. Yeah, that's the crazy. Super Nintendo's is all crazy, crazy yeah. on there. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, do it. How much was Super Nintendo? Super Nintendo, I think, it was like sixty bucks or something. Mm. With 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 a few games. Yeah, that's a good price. And they're all verified as working and shit. So. Mm. But just check it out. Like, there's sometimes there's versions of the same thing because they're priced in different ways in different stores. 
and just you see one for 45, another one's 50, 50, 55, one's 60, but they're all kind of the same. It was, I'm, can't remember how I stumbled across it. I was searching for some Star Wars shit. I was searching for Star Wars and VHS. Yeah. And I was actually scrolling through a few pages. The SEO must be shit because I had to scroll through a few pages to find it. And then I stumbled across Cash Converters. What? Mm-hmm. And there it was. Ta-da. Ta-da. It's hidden on the fourth page of Google. Fucking, it's like I'm a fucking 20th page of Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a scroll. It, it was serious. Because I was trying, because there were so many VHS editions. I was trying to figure out whether the one I had was actually the untampered one mm. or not because I remember it had it had THX at the start, yeah. so I wasn't sure whether it was the actual clean clean cut of the original, or whether or not it was the very first one where they changed the explosion of the Death Star yeah. Uh, yeah. from like instead of being all the little stars yeah, into yeah. that ring. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out which is which, whether or not I need to buy a set of VHS because I haven't got the right ones. So, but it, would, it, would make, it would make sense for Disney to re-release the originals in their untarnished I, form on a VHS format. No, it doesn't need to be bad. If but Star Wars remastered original cuts, if Disney had well, any fucking brains at all, yeah. one year, no, not even that, May next year, 40th anniversary of Star Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. if they release the original mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, yeah, you will have the hottest selling Blu-ray yeah. collection yeah. of all time. Yeah. All six of them. All seven yeah. of them, sorry. Yeah. Seven Blu-rays. I actually saw Laserdisc versions of Star Wars the other day. What, Christine Laserdisc? A friend of mine's got all Laserdiscs, yeah. I, I, I was shocked. I, I don't know why I didn't buy now. Mm-hmm. There was buy now for $95. I still don't know why I didn't click on it. <laughs> Just fucking click on it, Carl. Click on it. You're never going to get these late. What the fuck? I'm going to fucking buy a laser disc. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have a laser display? No, but then I started looking for laser displays. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have got a laser disc that I found at a fucking, um, like a fucking church fucking yeah. fake kind of thing. <laughs> and I just bought it to see what a fucking laser disc was. Big, thick fucking thing. Yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. some horrible chick flick. That I got from like the eighties. <laughs> it's got an all-star cast in it though. I'll bring it into the next podcast right. we were talking about. Yeah. So that's a segue, gentlemen. Yeah, that's a great what segue. A segue. Yeah, that, Love it. That is the end of this podcast, but we're gonna be back in a couple of weeks and we are gonna break down our favourite three chick flicks for guys. Problems. So and next I time you're in So next time you're on So next time you're surfing through iTunes or Netflix on a cold Saturday night a winner. Having a, bit of, having a bit of a cuddle with the love one on the couch. <laughs> if you've got a bowl of popcorn on there, you can say, why don't we watch this? And then you'll go, that's, that's a chick flick. And you'll go, yeah, I know it is. But it's Thanks to Rebel Scum Radio. Thanks to Rebel Scum Radio. <laughs> and you might actually enjoy your night. <laughs> or, or at uh, Moonlight Cinema, where they play yes. dirty dancing a fair bit. That is true. So we can guarantee... Right at this moment, <laughs> that the notebook, <coughs> the notebook and the piano are not chick flicks. Whether you're are not watchable guy chick flicks, yeah. but we will have nine of the best yeah. lined up for you in a couple of weeks' time. We'll also have a little bit more Star Wars news before that, so we'll see you then.
Yeah.